Welcome back, baseball fans, to another edition of the Prep Baseball of North Carolina podcast. I'm Brandon Hall, your North Carolina Mid-Atlantic Scouting Director, and he is Zach Borowski, our Assistant Scouting Director in North Carolina, handling the eastern side of the state, and a familiar face to a lot of players and families that have been around Prep Baseball for the last several years. Zach, how are you doing? Oh, man, I'm good. How is everything with you? Good, good. Good to have you on board, kind of a little bit more um, official capacity, I guess. Um you know, and off and running, your the roles changed a little bit, but you're still seeing good baseball players across the state and putting our thoughts and opinions on them, right? Yeah, no, it's about the same. You know, been around for seven years now, so it's kind of kind of good to get a bigger title now with it. <laughs> so. Well, we we will uh, real quick on the introductions. Um, you know, we did Patrick's, I guess, two weeks ago. Um, <clears throat> he was the first ever player to throw a pitch at TD Ameritrade Park for the College World Series. Um, you have a similar story, right? I, I, I ain't got many. I'm not quite the player Patrick was. I might get him in coaching. I'm gonna get him in coaching, being a first year guy. But I don't know if I have him as a player. <laughs> you spent several years at Fuquay, uh Verena High School as a as a head coach. Won two state titles. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And then you've been an associate scout with the Mets and the Angels. Um, you've been helping us for seven years. So you've you've been a, around uh, this area and in, in the baseball. Um, you know, what are some of the things that you see being different right now with the way players are going about their business, maybe to when you were playing? And, and you, did you play at Fuquay as well? Yeah, I played at Fuquay and then went on and played and tried to make it kind of like Patrick just didn't quite make it as far as he did. Um, yeah, the big nice. difference is like the size, the physicality, like coming out of high school, like 88 miles an hour was an elite fastball. Like, right. you know, the guys, you know, there's like Zach Furrow, Vance Williams, those dudes, 88, 90, boom, that's the elite fastball. Now you guys see an 88 mile an hour fastball and you're like, oh, okay. Like, it's not like a wow. It's just normal. Well, you, even even at the high school level, I'm seeing guys facing 92 and not flinching. You know, they, they understand it's a good fastball and they understand, you know, this, this is a fastball that's got a chance to beat me. But I remember facing 86, 88 and like, there was some trepidation and fear going to the park because you just never saw it. Yeah, it's different. Now these guys see velocity so much it doesn't phase them. No, and like I think the like with the hack attacks and stuff like that. Now, um, you know, we had the blue the blue arm machine that you know you yeah. kind of got you kind of timed it up off that and seventy miles an hour was as fast as it went and like you didn't really understand to move up in the box like to you create that kind of illusion. Like you never moved up to make it a 40 foot fastball to get the 94. Like you were just sitting at the box waiting to hit the whole time. I can remember being 11 or 12 years old playing at West Millbrook middle school in Raleigh in the North Wake system. And we were playing against Brad Pope and Matt Williams, Matt Williams, son, Hodge Williams was at the preseason all state. Yeah. Yep. And Matt was, Matt may have been the same size he is now as a 12 year old. He was a big, big boy. And yeah. so to get ready, you know, we didn't do velocity training. You, you worked on your swing and you had your dad throwing BP, um, but we didn't, you know, crank the hack attack machine up and things like that. But my dad, you know, said, hey, we're going to go to the cage and you're going to get in. And they had a, a tunnel in the cage with the iron mic that was the Nolan Ryan cage. And wow. <laughs> the sucker was getting on you. And then yeah. also, we, you know, we turned around, we saw Matt the next day and on the bump. And I remember fouling a ball off and it being like the greatest experience I had on a baseball yeah. field to that point because you just nobody touched him. And no. you know, and, and it's it's funny now you, you say, you know, you talk about the hack attack. There is there's these guys are training for velocity all the time. Yeah, it's just different. And it's like it's enjoyable to see. Like I remember like when I was coaching, like, you know, Fuqua big arms, like, you know, I think one my the year we won the state title, we saw thirty two division one arms. And I just remember being 30 feet away and just chucking baseballs every day, realistic. And that was how you simulated. And every kid hated practice that day because you had to stand so close. You had to throw it so hard that it was like almost unrealistic. But it was the only way you could emulate guys. You know, you get on the stopwatch, boom, 0.35 seconds. That's what it equaled out to. And you were trying to be 0.35 so they could just feel it. And they hated you. Like it was just the worst day ever. Like nobody liked you that day. We, we used to do a deal when I was at Charlotte trying to simulate closers. The same deal. You know, get the, you get the yellow screen up in there and, you, you know, we'd put it on the watch or put on the gun and do the math and trying to figure it out. But we would also tell guys, and we do this, you know, when you're throwing BP and it's 115 degrees in the summer and the guy gets in there and every single hitter of every single group wants to see a ball go by. You know, hey, hey man, he, he's got 100 of these guys to throw to. It's 200 rounds. You're gonna, he's going to throw 200 extra pitches. 
I thought we get on time for that on deck. But yeah. what we would do in practice is, is Bo Durkak would have we, – we called it a three-pitch uh, scrimmage. But the deal was you were only to swing at fastball. You weren't allowed to swing at any spin. If you swung at spin, you were out. And if you missed a fastball – you were out. So if it was a ball, that's fine. You, you've got yeah. three pitches in your at bat to make something happen. But if if he's simulating 95 and the first pitch is 95 middle and you go, that was the one I'm ready. Well, yeah. we, our simulation as coaches was he's throwing two bastard sliders. Now you're out. Cause you're not touching those and next hitter. So we yeah. just kicked him out of the box then. And we tell guys that, and, and I, we, we would, we would do the, dr- the drill at Charlotte and we would always go, Guys, it's just not, you know, the guys, it's not, it's not fair. It's not, this isn't realistic. And then we go to Rice and they bring their clothes around the six in a one nothing game. And he's 95 in the middle, first pitch. And our, we had a really good hitter at the plate with the bases loaded. And he watched that sucker go by and you could see he shook his head. And our head coach freaking, he did one of those. And, you know, our third base coach ducks his head real hard and he's bang, bang, slider, slider. So, yeah. and no shot. Yeah, and the yeah. bat was over when he when he let the first fastball go. So, you know, it, it is realistic, and I think more and more hitters are are being able to see that practices now, which is great. Yeah, I mean, I think especially with the spins too. Like, you know, I mean, good. Yeah, you know, the hack attacks almost have like unrealistic breaking ball spins sometimes, which actually is beneficial when you do go see an elite breaking ball like i mean it gives you a chance to see you know when you're throwing from 30 feet it's really hard to make a ball spin in 30 feet realistically you know you get it to 50 feet at 74 75 and it's moving like it's it gives hitters a chance to see an actual 60 70 grade slider not the only time you ever see it's when you're in a box you know so that that part helps out in a game situation so you know, I mean, I think hitters are more calm. You know, I think before, like, you were always jumpy, you know, because you couldn't always prepare for certain things. And I think that's one of one of the bigger things that's changed in the game is how you're able to prepare videos. Like, there wasn't no video unless it was uploaded, you know, on a DVD or a VHS half the time to watch guys. So I think the scouting world, you know, as I've gotten in it, has really helped out. You know, even now, like PBR, like when I was playing or coaching, I could pull up PBR videos to find the arm slot of the guy we were facing in the playoffs on Tuesday that I'd never heard of. So I didn't really need a scouting report as much as I could go watch that guy throw. And with all the angles and videos we had, if he dropped his slot a little bit, if he kept it up and you could just go look at all the numbers. And that actually helped out more, almost more than anything is that there's so much public knowledge now. Well, you mentioned, we talked about hack attack. This isn't on our agenda, but I'm going to throw it at you anyway. There's, there's a movement softly, not, not a loud movement, but a movement within within prep baseball and our scouting staff to implement hack attacks for our BP. And there's a couple of reasons. One, every major league team is using a hack attack or something similar to simulate and to, to hit off of nowadays. So hitters need to be used to it. Pro, pro teams are using it. They can kind of align what the metrics are with their guys and what the metrics would be with, with prep baseball guys coming through. Two, Every single player gets the same pitch, ideally, you know, and we would have to yeah. figure out, okay, we're going to go from 55 feet. Here's what the dials have to be. Here's what the radar gun should read. And here's what the spin rate should read on the gun to make it fair across the board. Yeah. We would have something set and set in stone. This is what we wanted at. This is the range you can be in for that BP. You're an avid BP thrower and you're, you've scouted for a while now. What, what would you think if you saw a hack attack out at an event where guys are taking live BP? I'm not gonna lie. We saw it one time, one of our first events I ever worked at, and it was a little rough. Um, uh, as a high school coach, I do like throwing because obviously the timing of the live arm is different. In a situation where all metrics need to be the same, like as a BP thrower, like I've thrown in every pro event, every event for a long time. I miss sometimes. Don't get me wrong. Um, so to me, like it does give a fair advantage. But to me, sometimes it will allow bad hitters a chance due to the fact that the ball is in the same place. So you will start seeing some swings that you might not see in a game. You know, you might see a bigger leg lift because if you can time it, you know, you're timing it on a machine. You can get away with a little bit more knowing the ball is middle, middle. Um, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind if we did it, you know, and we're not going to do it because it'll take too long. Adjusting middle in a way, you know, in real life, 
when you have, hack, you know, I'm looking at four hack attacks as we speak while I'm at my batting facility. You know, we start away, you work middle, you work like I do think that there are some really benefits to it. I think things would go faster. I don't think you would always be able to judge the hitter exactly on what type of hitter he is more than a swinger because the swing, the ball is usually going to be close to the same place. So you're not really adjusting swing as much as just adjusting the timing a yeah. little bit. And that's interesting because we've actually gotten some different feedback from guys of they think the BP thrower can elevate bad hitters because you can figure out where the swing path is and you almost feel bad for that hitter that you're kind of eating up and you can run it. A really good BP guy, and you are one, you can just run into bats. I oh, know you where can he's find some, You can find some there. barrels now. Sometimes you got to find some barrels. That track man data reads in the middle sometimes. you got to <laughs> find where that barrel is. I get that. Like, and I Don't get me wrong, but I – if we're at an event and the guy swings and misses at 12 pitches right down the middle because of the, the machine, like, it's the same thing. Um, you know, some guys are going to be early and hit it straight down. Some guys are going to swing straight up. And some of it's going to depend on who you go to as a hitter, like your batting instructor guys. Um, some of the swings that might work in front toss and full BP probably won't work on a hack attack the first time because that'll be the first time you're using it, you know. Right. And so if you're paying a lot of money the first time you use this on a hack attack and you've never seen one, you're going to be sad the first five swings. Like there's yeah. not, unless you're a true pure hitter and then it's not going to matter either way, but there's going to be some people that are sad pretty quickly. <laughs> well, let's move, move forward. We'll, um, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the, the big events we've already run. Obviously we're, we're filming this on Valentine's day, the very first day officially of high school workouts. We know teams have been working out within the rules and doing, getting ready. And some teams are even scrimmaging this weekend. But today is the first official day of, of the North Carolina high school baseball season, which means the last couple of weeks we've run our preseason All-States. We ran three. We ran an East, a West, a Central, and then we ran our Pro Case uh, behind the, the Central in Kernersville. Um, and, and, Zach, you've been doing this with us for a couple of years now. Um, was that was that your first year at A-Lab, or have you been to A-Lab in the West as well? Been, been to A-Lab, I think, twice. The first year the field wasn't all the way done. Right. The only reason I'm not going to lie to you, I remember A-Lab is being the BP thrower. You got to never look up. Yeah, so, yeah, so like A-Labs, I remember. Um, so I think it's the third year we've been there. Maybe the second. Please. I know I've been yeah. there because I, I think it's the third. Because um, everything's a little bit different. I mean, as they've put a lot into it, it looks They really have wonderful. They've done a wonderful job with it, um, especially the outdoor stuff. We first got there, it was a little kind of washy. Like, you know, it was just you knew it was going to be good, but they – they were do- trying to take care of some land stuff, I think. When they, and now yep. they got all the land that they need. And I mean, it's you got a full infield, outfield. Like you got to practice soccer field if you need it. Like they got a facility that's going to be helpful to a lot of kids. And there's no crowding. Like they got enough cages where nobody's ever going to be on top of each other. Yeah, and, and what I like is we were still able to hit inside. Um, you know, you've got a big box. It's I don't know, you know, forty yards by twenty five yards, and. We just split that sucker in half and had one hitting one way and another hitting another way. And, you know, from our standpoint, we, we're going to do a lot of video review and we're all, you're throwing and Patrick's throwing and I'm watching both. And we're going to go back and watch a lot of the video, but it, it, it's so much more efficient for the players. There's no, you're not, it's, I think it's hard for players to go to an event and stand for an hour and then, and then take 16 really good swings. So, you know, we get them out of the cage, boom, they're up. We only had four, really four hitting groups. And so that was a plus there. And, we're able to run indoors with that 40-yard length they had. We ran our 30 indoors. We could have done our infield and outfield and even our catching indoors, but they do have that outdoor space, and, and the weather was really good in Maiden that day, so took advantage of that. Yeah. Um, on the eastern side, obviously, is next-level training in Greenville, and um, Trent and, and Gaynell, his wife, do, do such a wonderful job hosting that event for us. And I know they, it's a very it's a big, big building driven by memberships, and so they don't open up to, to a lot of outside sources. They do open up for us, and and thank goodness they do. We were able to run close to 100 players through there in about seven hours. Um, yeah. Just and, and that you know, really, truly, they got a full infield. Yeah, um, I mean, you, you can do anything. Stops to regular depth there. Yeah, I mean, they play. I think they play like a little little league event there or something. What they talk about, like they have it set up where they can have like an indoor little league during the winter. So yeah, I mean, it's and they're ceiling roof. I mean, you can you can tell what a baseball is doing at that place. Like there's enough room to see if it's cutting, if you hooked it, if it's got top spin, like that roof allows you to see a lot of things, especially the way we were hitting. 
because it was kind of kind of towards the peak of the roof. And um, yeah, that makes that place look wonderful. Minus, you know, you smash some garage doors from time to time. <laughs> Every now and then, get, get a little musical musical noise in there. But it's a pretty fun place. Like, and they're they're wonderful, and they got enough cages too where we don't we know we don't run in, we don't get crammed. Like, you know, you could do your jumps. We were doing BP, we were doing height weight, and like nobody was really running into each other. Well, and, and them, A-Lab, and, of course, we're going to talk about Diamond Extreme as well in Kernersville. All three places are so development-driven. And, and talking to Trent, he, he's he's eyeing some of the metrics we're doing, and you can see some of the things he's doing with the players that come through there. they got a number of big league guys that come back. A lot of East Carolina guys come back and use that facility in the offseason. So it's a place that's development-driven. We want They want players to get better. And then for the Central – and for, for the pro case, we were in Kernersville, Diamond Extreme, really kind of the first big box facility that we saw we, we had been in, and mm-hmm. they do. They have a 90-by-90 90 90 cage. Um, again, we can see the ball fly, high ceilings. Catchers can throw full pop times. Infielders can really simulate a, a full ground ball. So, mm-hmm. again, another place we love being. Yeah, no, I mean, that's another great play, you know, and, I mean, everybody they take care of us there. Like, you know, I mean, we've been there probably four years, maybe more than that. I mean, yeah, I, I know four off the top now. of Yep. Yeah, and like I mean, and, you know, everybody that runs it, you know, it's just been a great, you know, because they got for us like they got the hotel right beside it, so like we yep. can go late night, early morning. There's food around it, so we can all go eat after, and it's just a yeah, it was a good atmosphere, and it, they they have enough space, seating area, so parents can kind of be there, see, but they're not on top of you. Yeah, and 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 the thing that the parents and the players don't see, you know, I get there usually uh, an hour and a half to two hours before the players, and about an hour sometimes before our staff. And I'm showing up, and the owners of those buildings are in there. You know, all three of them were cleaning while they had people in there. They, they wanted it to look good for our, our play. They take a lot of pride in those buildings. And as we're exiting, they're, they're still there. They're not locking up right as we leave the doors. They've still got things they've got to do around the building. And, you know, I, I was in the building with Paul Brandon at, at Diamond Extreme for another 30, 45 minutes while he's vacuuming the turf. Because, you know, we got the pro case coming in the next day, and he wants this place to look good for those guys. And they take a ton of pride in those buildings and just really, really appreciative that we're able to get in them. I, I don't know that there's better better sites. There, there's there's obviously as good a people in some other yeah. places, but I think we're very fortunate to be in those three places for the, these big events that we run. Yeah, and they're also, neutral, like, good spots, you know, when we go to the east, like, Wilmington's not crazy far. You know, when we go to the right. central, you can get Charlotte, you can get Raleigh. When we go to the west, you can get the mountains. And you're not, you know, you're not overdriving for an event. Like you're not driving five hours to get up and then go work out. Like they're close enough where everybody's in a realistic driving experience. It, it is until you're until we run the uh, the east at night and the west in the morning. And yeah, we're gonna the talk to the boss. They're not attending both, but for us, yeah, <laughs> the boss. The really boss on that one. I'm not. We ain't really sure what the boss was thinking. We had some uh, executive <laughs> decisions at dinner. The other night that you more you kind of skipped out on us on about you, the uh, east and west being different weekends. You guys are closer. more than welcome to take over the scheduling. <laughs> I, I will I will gladly hand that over. So, so. Well, let let's dive in. Let's dive into some of these events. Let's start with the east. All right. Um, you know, it's an eighty player event uh, right there in Greenville. Um, it's an event that's that's really been lucrative to us and kind of showcasing some talent. Sometimes that I don't get a chance to see. You're a little bit more familiar with some of these kids on the east with some of the things that you do um, with your facility, having coached some teams on the eastern part of the state. Uh, there's going to be information. We're going to continue to have information coming out on the superlatives. Um, we're coming out yesterday and today. Uh, we've already done our quick hitters. We've got Trackman review. We've got Blast review. We've got Swift review. All that's coming out this week. But as you're diving into this information, give me a hitter and give me a picture that kind of clicked for you and stood out at this event. Uh-huh. I just actually wrote a story about this guy. And I ain't going to lie. He's one of my summer guys. But Robert Sasser um, yeah. for a hitter. Like, I had him this summer. And, you know, he just kind of – he kind of jumped. You know, um, you know, Exavilla's in the upper 90s. You know, hit about 370. He's a freak athlete. I think he ran like a 382, 34, 35-inch vertical. Like, he just kind of – he's starting to put the – that he was an athlete into a baseball player. And now Absolutely. he's turning – he's turning into a baseball athlete instead of an athletic baseball player. So to me, like, yeah, I do coach him in the summer, but like the kid that showed up there is completely different kid than I've seen so far this year. Yeah. One of the things with his numbers, when you look at the past, you look at what he's doing now was there were gaps, you know, so you would see, you would see a 94 mile an hour exit 
but then you would see the average at 82. Um, you would see max distance at 350, but then average distance just w- was in the 150s, 160s. His, yeah. his run time was always good, but it didn't always translate to the way he played defense. Well, now those things are starting to shrink. You know, he went yeah. 97.4 is his max. Um, you know, we're seeing an average exit velocity now creeping above 90 miles an hour. Um, his bat speed max was above 80. His average bat speed was in that well above average range as well. And so he's one of those guys I think you're dead on. It's He's going to be a fun guy to watch this spring. Um, and I just lost him. It's going to be a fun guy to watch this spring. I think he's at Pro 5. So we're going to he run into Pro him five. a lot. Yeah, so he's oh. – yeah, so that's – They've done really good with him. So, I mean, you know, I was excited, you know, like just to see where it progresses too. Two hitters for me, and then we'll move to your pitcher. Um, Just real quick that that I felt I was excited to see because I wanted to see if the numbers we had were real. Dylan Palmer and uh, Riley Cuddy. You know, uh, both guys performed extremely high levels in the summer or fall, uh, just throwing up just stupid numbers. And sometimes you, you see those numbers and you're seeing exit velocities in the 106 and you're seeing bat speed in the 80s. You're going, you know, is this right? Those two guys, not only did they equal what they had done, both those guys were better in this workout than they had been in previous workouts. So I think those are going to be two big names to kind of follow this spring. Both, I think, are sophomores. Um, yeah. One study uh, I know is, and yeah, yeah Dylan is as well. Was, yeah. So I'm excited to see those guys moving forward this spring. Um, and I think, you know, we, we've hit on three players. There's there's 35 guys in this this group that we could spend time on talking about today. It was a very, very exciting roster. Um, from a pitching standpoint, uh, anybody – who was your, your your pick to click from the pitching standpoint? Man, I ain't going to lie to you. Like, I, I've been watching this guy for a long time, and it finally jumped. Uh, John Nelson McLam, you know, my <laughs> man finally came to the party. You know, he looked the part. You know, he's always looked at been big, been, you know, the frame and the ball moved, and it was 80. And you're like, God, he's getting everybody out. Like, what? Yeah, what are we doing? Like, eighty. Yeah. He's King people like crazy in two A. Man, he's about to K a whole lot more people. Like, like two A's in for an awakening with this guy on the mound right now. Well, and Midway Midway's got a freshman, uh, Tanner Williams, too. That that gives them two of the better left-handed pitchers in the state. I know Tanner's a freshman, but yes. uh, it, it's it's pretty polished. The one thing with John Nelson McLam and 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 I the the. We, we have to be careful sometimes when we're doing gradings because we do get to know these guys. Yeah. And, and he's such a good person. He works his tail off. I would have to pull away a little bit because he's such a good person when I was putting grades on him. Yeah. Because you do. You want to you want to bump him up. He's a good kid. He's a work-hard yeah. kid. He's got a high, high energy. But yeah. the grades just were the grades. Yeah. And I was always worried he's working his tail off. But I didn't know if the jump was there. He is moving so much better right now than he has ever moved in his life. And, yes, he's a little coiled up and the arm's yeah. a little bit locked up in the back. Nowhere near as bad as it was when we saw him two no. years ago. But he's moving so efficiently. He's become so much better an athlete that he still unlocks leverage. And, yeah, and hey, in the box, it was, strike thrower, it was really yeah. impressive. Yeah, it was crazy in the box. I got to throw to him. I mean, my man's just peppering balls mid-90s at my face, too. Like, he, yeah. like – Athletically, everything is clicked for him. Um, what he's doing now is working as a pure athlete. Like he is fluider. Like everything he has is a little bit easier. And you know, even though it's easier, it's still coming out better. Like it is more explosive, even though it's easier. I'm looking at this list right now, and I mean, I can go, I I, I can go 15, 20 pitchers deep before I start getting to some guys that I'm like, eh. It, it was a pretty impressive bullpen setting. I know you were on you were on some Twitter, Twitter action and video, and you were just popping back and forth, mound to mound to mound. Yeah. At one point, turned to me and go, "Hey, do I, should I just do everybody?" Yeah. I was like, no, but I mean, it, it seems like we are because they all have a chance. Yes. The one guy that really stood out for me, Davis Hathaway. Yeah. Davis was at our our senior event in South Carolina, um, the unsigned senior games. Uh, he is at JH Rose. We're we're. We're getting that saying. It's a little bit like John Nelson McLam. Davis is a better mover than McLam was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the same age, but I think we're just scratching the surface of what he has a chance to be. It's 85, 87. He's a strike thrower to both sides of the plate. He spins the ball well. You know, it plays against hitters. Still uncommitted. 
Uh, you know, he may end up at a junior college. He may end up at Pitt, I, you know, which you know gets to stay at home. He may end up at Brunswick. You know, he may end up at Wilmington. He may end up at East Carolina. He's got that kind of range where somebody's going to pop in there this spring and see him, and he may be bumping 89, 90. And now you got this big, long, lanky athletic dude that's uncommitted, and everybody in the world's jumping on. So I'm really excited say, to kind of see what his spring holds. Yeah, I would say he was probably the most, you know, my connections from college coaches have kind of stayed with the pro world and everything. And he was probably the most called about guy I had. Um, yep. How did it look? Is it there? Do you think there's one more jump? Do we need to pop in now or do we need to pop in probably closer to April or May just to see if the jump happened? And I was like, yeah, I mean, like, and he threw like a great changeup. Like it was one of the better yep. change. It might be the best changeup at the event. Like it was it was rep- it was easy as easy repeatable like it's got a chance to pitch you know and he has a chance to be a starter which is going to keep right. colleges interested um you know but he's the guy he's the guy that separates the the pretenders from the real thing in terms of uh, evaluation and recruiting yes you know you, you have to mar- marry your ability to evaluate a player where he is now and where he has a chance to be to your ability to get a player from where he is now to where he has a chance to be and if you have a system in place and he fits the things that you like to do, uh, there's a jump coming, and I think he'll make it this spring. So I think those guys asking need to get in there as quickly as possible when, they're, when their schedule allows them to and see him, if not getting more and more information from J.H. Rose as he's getting ready. Because I, I think there will be a, a log jam of coaches that are trying to make decisions on him, and the ones that can go ahead and trust their instincts and their ability to, to develop will be ahead of the game on him moving forward. Yeah. Very true. Let's jump to the West. This is very similar to what we did that night. We got out of that building about nine. I got into my bed at one and at 7 a.m. I was back on the road heading to Maiden. Um, you know, beautiful facility, roster of about 60. Um, gorgeous day. We actually got a chance to go outside. Um, yeah. Let's start with a, let's start with your pitchers on this side. Any, any arms that stood out to you um, as we were going through the bullpens? Yeah. Um, Charlie Shaver. Man, just yeah, (laughs) my man can move. Like he just he had four. Heck, he might have thrown five pitches. My man was just throwing the kitchen sink in a bullpen, and everything was just coming at you, and you were just excited. Like you were like, "What we got next? What we got next?" Looking at the iPad, just my man was a mover, and he kind of looks like he doesn't look like a high school guy. Like to me, you know, being all my pro scouting background, he has those pro moving abilities, and you know, the arm speed, the arm action, the mannerisms. Like he fit more of the pro mold than most of the guys there just because how he handled himself and how he threw. Yeah. And, and he was the guy that you look and I go, okay, where, where are we going to be in four or five years? And he's the guy that's got the highest, the highest ceiling. Um, yeah. You know, another one that kind of fit in that category was a freshman, Alex wall, uh, 2027 from freedom high school, six, three, one seventy five. We had him on our junior future games team and he's taking a jump. You know, I, I still don't think Alex realizes how good he's going to be. And so he, he I, I always equate it to the to the guy that hangs around the crowd when everybody in the crowd knows this is this is the guy that has a chance to be the leader, the president, the best athlete, whatever it's going to be. He just hasn't figured it out yet. I yeah. think Alex is going to here very soon as he starts facing high school hitters and realizing as a freshman that his stuff's advanced. And, you know, the other one, obviously, Ryan Engel, Ryan Engel, yeah. you know, left handed bump ninety one. Um, he gets a little hung up in the back and the elbow, a little bit of an elbow lead guy with a hand underneath the elbow. And can you get that worked out? Uh, he's made such a big jump from last summer that yeah. I think it, anything's possible. And he, he's shown to be a good athlete. You know, he, yeah, he found the barrel a little bit, with, even with long, long limbs. Yeah, he was on the barrel a lot more than I thought he would be offensively. So, you know, and again, I, we're I'm going down the list. I'm I'm 15 arms deep. And I'm looking, yeah. going. This guy can help somebody. That guy can help somebody. So this is one of those. This is one of those events, along with the East and, and the Central. To be honest, coaches are going to have to dig into the video, and they're going to dig into the stats, and, and to kind of go watch these guys because there were just so many of them. Yeah, it's one of the ones where you're going to look back and see a lot of commits. You might not see a lot of early commits, but when you go back and you're like, oh, okay, that guy's like a mid major, small major, mid major, small major. That guy bumped ninety. You yep. know, there's just a lot to it that like, you know, it's fun to go back. Like it's one of the things I'll say, like I do all the time. Like I'll go look at like four, four or five years ago, see where all the guys ended up. And you know, you're like, Oh, I remember that guy. Like there's going to be a lot of guys in this you remember. And then you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I can see how, you know, I can see why mid major took him. I can see why, you know, how that guy ended up in the ACC. Cause he was moving good as a freshman or a sophomore. 
Absolutely. And I think it's going to help us because we've got our, our future games team. We're not going to see yeah. a, a lot of those guys. None of those guys can talk to colleges before we go to the future games. No. So that one, and then also the super sophomore games, which is right behind it with the 27s. And that's going to be hosted at Wake and at High Point. So we get a home game there where we're facing South Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. They're going to yeah. come down here and try and take over our area. That's not happening. If we're going to run out some of these guys. So uh, I'm excited as we start diving into that, putting those teams together too, but let's flip over to the hitting. Um, you know, and I thought with, with a group of about 50 to 60 players, the BP rounds that we took here, I couldn't tell if I was over evaluating players because we were indoors with a lower roof and maybe I was just missing. But when you go back and look at the video and you go back and look at the, the numbers they put up, this was some of the best BP rounds from to, a total standpoint of a, yeah. of an event that we've seen. Yeah, you go look at the numbers, and you're just like, hey, like, all right. You know, you, and as I said, you're throwing, and, you know, the low roof, you kind of get, like, you hear it a little better, but, like, some of the balls were moving. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just one of those things. Um, You know, and being in that setting, I actually think the hitters probably are at an advantage because you're not really chasing distance. Like, you're not really chasing so many things that you actually get better swings off. And, you know, obviously, if you get better swings off, you're going to get better numbers. And sometimes you go to the bigger facilities – you start chasing that long fly ball, even though it's only going 210 in the back of the cage. And here it's all just, let's just go ahead and hit line drives with smoke balls. Right. Well, the the hitter for me at Landon King showed out, left-handed hitter. I was excited to see because I've heard good things. And then Charlotte didn't let it happen. They didn't let the video get out before they got that commitment nah, done. They got him quick. Good for them because I think they're getting a young man that's just scratching the start. He's a physical kid right now. It's still a baby face. You know, it's still peach fuzz on his forearms. So I think he's a guy that's going to continue to go. The the one, there's two players I was excited to see from a standpoint of where were they last time I saw them and where are they now? Jake Parham has taken a huge step forward in terms of his strength defense. and to handle a barrel. And, and, you know, he's getting closer to where his brother was. Uh, you know, yeah. a really good player last year in the, in the 23 class is East Carolina now. Um, and then my other one was Meridian LaFew. And I think Meridian LaFew in the 26th class is putting himself into that category. He's, he's probably a top five round follow just from the way yeah. he moves, the way he plays defense, the way he hits, his body, his athleticism. Um, I, you know, long, 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 long way away from his draft. But yes. if I'm putting a number on him right now. He's a top five round follow for me. Yeah, especially the position he plays and everything. Um, my big guy was uh, Connor Trionig. But if I messed up your name, I'm sorry. Uh, big long levers, dude. And like, I was throwing, and like, I'm going to be waiting for the summer to see when the f- pure strength comes in. You know, it's long, it's lanky, but my man was hitting some bombs off of me. And it was like one of the ones I went and walked straight to the track, man. And the numbers might not match it yet, but with what he has working with his swing and his rhythm and his timing, like, it's not going to be long before those are 97 to 100 and 400 foot homers. And so I'm really intrigued to kind of see, like, once he puts on that that next level of strength. I know he's a 26, so right. that sophomore, junior, junior summer, like, when that guy gets some muscles on him, like, he is going to put on an absolute show, and I'm really looking forward to throwing to him again. And it may be an interesting lineup to watch this spring at Reagan because you got Smith at short, you got Brady Marshall at third, you know, Dragoning sitting in the middle of the order. He's going to have some protection. You know, they're, they're going to have to pitch to somebody. And so one of these dudes is in line to have a monster spring. Um, and it may be all three because teams just night after night trying to pick a different guy. Okay, this guy's not going to beat us. And then all of a sudden you're feeding fastballs to Connor and, you know, and paying for it. So um, I'm right there with you. I actually watched his video earlier today. Um, and and the, it's long arms, which always is a little scary in younger prospects yeah. because you're trying to figure out where it is BP and I get it. But his leverage to the baseball was so impressive. I don't so, think he's going to have a, a lot of problems, like you're saying, generating that strength through the long arms, but also staying somewhat short to the ball. So, yeah. uh, again. Uh, I'm, I'm going to let you and Patrick take that Reagan trip, though. So, you guys <laughs> got that one. I'm just going to go ahead and let you know I, I ain't making no trips to Reagan right now. I need a couple years still. A little str- Oh, yeah. 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 I ain't going to Reagan. That's I got it once. And I, don't need, I don't think they want to see me at Reagan for a little while. So, I'm, I'm going I'm to go ahead and. Punt that one off to you guys. You guys let me know how it looks. Well, let's head into the central and in, into that area. And, and we we haven't jumped. We haven't started 
just compiling a ton of information. The first story came out today, our data dive. Our quick hitters come out in the next couple of days. We're going to start really knowing this roster a little bit more in the next week. But just an initial impression as you've kind of gone through some of the information, let's start with hitters on the central. Any hitters that kind of really stuck out to you as we were we were going through this process? Yeah, you know, you actually talked to the guy I was throwing to. You know, Adrian Gonzalez, man, was just – pounding some baseballs and he got a little wide he's you know he's done a little bit uh i know he went to baseball rebellion kind of working on some things we're still kind of getting through but when it's on i mean it was 100 and 400 foot shots and it is electric and he can move like there's a lot to really like about him going forward he's just got to figure out the swing plane a little bit it's a no stride kind of hook a little bit a little bit you know so he can kind of roll over sometimes but like when he gets through balls like I mean, there are not many guys in the state, regardless of class, that are doing what he's doing. Yeah, 2025 infielder out of Apex was up to 101 exit velocity, 400-foot distance. Um, I mean, and it was loud. And it's one. he was one of those guys where the building got really quiet when he – about halfway through his first round. Um, you know, and, and that, that you, you sense that, and, and we see it a little bit more in the pro case somewhat. But when it gets really quiet, it's because everybody's kind of paying attention because the ball's coming off different. Um, I'm not going to pick one. I, this one, I mean, Colton Hare was impressive from both sides. Tanner Ferguson continues to get better. He doesn't present himself as, as an elite athlete, but he moves so well in short spaces, including in the box with a big frame. I'm really intrigued to kind of see what happens when he gets on the college campus because the, the, the comp for me, the guy he reminds me a little bit of was the shortstop at Virginia when when Kevin and those guys first took over that job from the Virginia oh, Beach, played Panero? the big leagues. Say it again. Panero, different one, six four no, shortstop. Um, okay. Ah, they, it was right when Virginia kind of got it rolling and became good because uh, they were awful before that. And we had this we had this player on our campus, Wilmington, and, and decided not to offer him and offered another guy. And then this one went to the big leagues. I'll think of the name, and I may even post it on the on the podcast. Okay. There, but he played. He played with the Nationals. He actually ended up playing first base there at the end. Um, but he was a okay. third baseman for the Nationals forever. Uh huh. Yeah. No. I, I mean, it was. Fun. I mean, I threw to him, and you know, it just he doesn't quite have the loft of like guys his frame do does right. at least not yet. And so I mean, like that don't make body? it no fun. Yeah. You know, those guys aren't always fun to throw to because they're hitting shots right at your face. You know, sometimes you like a guy with a little loft being the BP guy, you know, because you ain't got to worry about it. But he hit that back wall a couple times, and you would just kind of jump back with, like, wow, that's got something on it. There were three dual guys there that stuck out, Chase Kiker, Alex Hoffman, Seth Tickle. I, I think coaches, you know, Hoffman's off the board. He's at, going to Virginia Tech. You know, Kiker and Tickle, you know, those three guys may be the best dual guys in the state. I'm, I, I'm, I'm lacking for some other names and some older classes. Um, Kikers are 20, they're all 326, uh, Sessa 25, yeah. Hoffman and Kiker 26s. So, uh, again, I mean, we're, I'm going down the list. I'm just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling before I hit a guy that didn't touch 90 with his exit velocity. It was just a very, very impressive yeah. group of BP. And really, you know, flip over to the pitchers. This was, you know, we, and again, more players. We had close to 80 players. Um, but the, the bullpens of this group, again, you were on Twitter yeah. duty. And taking video and a lot of like tweets. Guy. Yeah, a lot of a lot of tweets on these guys. Yeah. Um, it was good. It was good. Like I said, like you know, I, I mean, I know Kiker pumped up early, and then you kind of locked in. Um, my guy actually is kind of a different guy. I actually liked uh, Grayson Jones from West Forsyth. Um, he was right. my, yep. uh, you know, he actually kind of pitched like me a little bit. So you know, I kind of felt, you know, he stood on the right side of the rubber. You know, a little cut to the fastball, but he could spin it. Got up to twenty seven hundred. Um, you know, change up kind of looked good and he just, he, it was effortless and it was a 46 and he's like, when this guy's 87 to 90 with a 3000 spin breaking ball in about six months, like, I just want to go ahead and put my name on that one. Like that guy's going to be it. Like, I just want to go ahead and call that one ahead of time. Yeah. For me, it was, it, it was several different guys. I'm, I'm looking at some profiles right now. Carson Kreider's gotten better. We saw him as an eighth grader. Yeah. You know, I was a ninth grader, was at Wake Forest last year. Obviously, it was a kind of a known name, got a start in the state championship series. He's gotten better, which is yeah. what I was hoping for. Um, yeah. But it's a clean, athletic, really easy arm. Um, 
Andrew Carasio, if I'm saying your name wrong, Andrew, I apologize. 2027 left-hander was up to 86. It's kind of a power-type arm, more than quickness. It's, it's just arm strength. Uh, Colton Hare was impressive. Cannon Lee was impressive. Dylan Gasly. Um, but one guy that, that I'm kind of really interested to follow is when we took to our future games, Austin Fetterspiel. Um, you know, it's a player that plays football in the, all, in, in the baseball offseason. And the body type's, uh, you know, a little bit – he's a lot bigger body type, really broad. And I think he changes his body type a little bit between baseball and football. And so I, I don't know that the velocity is going to peak right now, but he, he has an ability to sink the baseball. He has an ability to throw strikes. It's a bigger frame. It's going to be really intriguing what happens to him when he just is concentrating on baseball and he's just yeah. allowing the body to kind of leak into that pitching pitching realm and see what happens because he already has really good feel for repeating his delivery, even though he's spending half the time a lot of these other guys are throughout the year. One other name, Jack Brodeur, has gotten a lot better. He's at Pro 5 right now, 2025, yeah. up to 89-3. That, that wasn't Jack's deal, though. Jack's deal was he sprayed too many balls to the arm side. He's really cleaned up his lines. The arm action's a little little cleaner, a little quicker, and the ball was just pumping out of the hand. So yeah, He's um, kind of weirdly athletic, too. Like He had like a 35-inch yeah. – like he kind of got up, and you're like, hey, like get up, big fella. And, and that, uh, that training, you know, it's one of the things that we've seen is the velocity, the velocity ability to create velocity and the ability to create vertical. Those two things go hand in hand. We're, we're seeing yeah. it time after time after time on these guys is, you know, some that athleticism does equate to itself, equate to what happens on the mound. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's going to be a big year for arms. And it's one of those things we're seeing so many guys throwing 85 to 88 or better now that we're having to recalibrate and, and from a pro, pro standpoint as we move into our pro case you know it's not 90 miles an hour anymore that's not the number you know, 93 really four kind of, baby yeah it's kind of 92 for us maybe yeah 94 for a pro guy and if you're yeah, really 93 four really is the it's not yeah. you see a 96 because there's a lot of guys yeah. bumping four yeah but that line between four and six thins the herd out that and like the line where like you don't get to just reach back, air it out for one pitch. It's that that second, you know. And guys, I'll tell you all this: that no, second, third, it. fourth inning fastball. You know, if it's ninety four in the first and eighty six to ninety in the second, third, and fourth, you know, like that's kind of the big deciding factor in a lot of pro guys that we're actually since we're talking about pro guys, we're about to find out because we all got to see the one innings this weekend. Yeah, we did. We, we did. all we got saw, to see one inning. Dudes aired out, didn't we? Yeah, we saw one inning. So, you know, it's going to be – I'm interested to see. I, you know, I'll have to go in and see a lot of you guys, for, some for PBR, some for the Angels who I work with. So, we're all, you know, guys, I ain't going to lie to you. Like, there's going to be a radar gun to the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth inning, and, you know, that's going to be the next big thing for your hurdle. Well, let, let's let's start breaking some of these guys down. I know the first one that pops up on the list is Collins Black. Collins threw it our pro case last year, and then – Really wasn't on the circuit a ton throughout. You know, he pitched at Cary, but the the that that summer circuit where scouts are really starting to try and get an idea of who these juniors turning into seniors are. Yeah, he had an arm issue. He had, yeah, it, yeah, and you know whatever it was, yeah. it just wasn't there. Yeah, um, but he he showed up and he showed up in a big way, bumping ninety four seven. Set um, the record. Yep, and he was around the zone, and he, yeah. and he showed he showed a two plane breaking ball. So, you know, he's a guy guys are going to have to go in there, I think, fairly early to decide, do I bring my national guy in on him? Correct. And, I mean, I to be honest with you, he matches up maybe with Smelser about in the beginning of March. So, I think that could be one of the most attended pro scout games, especially for high school in North Carolina this year. Wow. So, two, 20, two, two 2025s that were at the top of the velocity chart, Sean Jenkins from – uh, Fred T. Ford and C.J. Gray from um, A.L. Brown and Kernersville. Yeah, Jenkins put his name on the map for East Coast Pro. Jenkins put his put a big star right beside that name. Like, here it is. Here I am. Take me. So, that was as impressive as the was up 94. Spin rate above 2,400 uh, on several fastballs. <clears throat> it was just and – he, and he's throwing strikes. And the line's oh, easy. And the arm's easy. And the breaking ball had two planes. And it's February 11th. And he's looking like a dude that's ready to roll out there in March or April or March or May. So, um, really impressive day from him. You mentioned Smelser, um, it, it, kind of a guy that's kind of gotten his body together over the over the rubber a little bit, and has really improved his line. And the velocity's jumped along with the command. Yeah, no, I, I'm intrigued to see it. As I said, like had the name in the background for a while. Um, Air Force commit. 
So for a pro world, like it might be a little harder for them just because of the commit that he has and, you know, Air Force takes care of you for the rest of your life. Um, but it's somebody that you're going to have to go see. 6'6". Six, six, um, Got to get the bodies a little bit better. He's doing – he's with Bobby Wall. And, I mean, Bobby Wall and him have hit it off, and they are doing wonders at the uh, – I, I guess it's Octane Baseball now. Okay. And, uh, you know, he's got the slurve, legit slurve. It's not a curve. It's not a slider. Like, it's a legit slurve. And the changeup was there. And as I said, like, if he stays healthy, some people are going to have to make some decisions on him because he fits the starter profile. He fits – everything that you want in the starter minus he's maybe just not quite the athlete you need yet but same point in time he's never you know he's always been rehabbing some so he's never really had a chance to work fully on the body itself so i'm thinking if we can stay healthy we can start fixing the body but i mean he's a guy that people are going to go in early to see and if you need a national guy if you need your checker you know we're going to start having some follow-ups with him i think we had 15 total guys throw 12 were we're bumping at least 90, um, you know, four saw fastball spin better than 2,400. Um, six saw breaking ball spin better than 2,400. So just depth top to bottom. And and, and that's just, I mean, going by the numbers on that, but it's one of those deals, you know, you, you can get down to, to the guys that maybe don't have that, that true elite fastball, but there's still reasons to like, you know, Walker McDuffie who just missed touch 90. We've seen him been up 91. Justin Mabe in the 2025 class was about as easy a worker as we saw him. You know, he started the day off. And it, it, no. it, that can be intimidating in itself because it's bull in the ring. Yeah, We're in this yeah. spacious cage, 90 by 90 cage, and they got a, a, a net in front of, behind the plate. And then behind that net were 31 pro scouts. Yeah, and, no, it's you know, different. Right the, and he comes out just pounding the glove. With, and with a really good breaking ball. So, yeah. you know, a lot of things to like. We had the two – I think we had two lefties, Drake Purvis and Luke Hemrick threw the ball really well. Um, we saw Jet Music, who, who missed a majority of last year and was just a position player, was, um, you know, back on the bump uh, and yeah. looked good. Peter Hans, a lower slot, kind of a low three-quarter guy that was up to 90.4. Um, you know, one of my personal faves, Walker McDuffie. Um, you know, Sam Harris, the spinning machine, talking the whole time, baby, trying to figure out how good that breaking ball was. So, you know, somebody, a lot of these guys just from history, we know they're going to end up in college. Yeah. Um, but when we start talking about this time next year, who are the guys that are, that are going to be freshmen that are going to be leading their teams and having a chance to, to really put their mark on a college club as a freshman? We're going to be looking back at this list. Um, and a lot of these guys have that opportunity. So, uh, let's let's transfer over to the hitters, and this was the biggest group of hitters we've ever had at the Pro Case, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. You know, typically we have so. three to two groups. We had yeah. hitters every year. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a lot. I'm not gonna lie. I think you know Sawyer Black probably might be the best hitter in the state, and probably one of the better pro, like pro prospect hitters. Um, you know, just going through some of his numbers, like man, the man just knows how to hit. You went. I went and looked at the grip strength. It's in the 150, so he's got some strong hands. He ran well. You know, for him, it's going to be can he prove to play center field, and with the speed he has, and I mean that's that's going to be the big deciding factor on you know what kind of guy that pro scouts think he is. If they think he's a left fielder, it's going to go down a little bit. If they think he plays center field, his value extremely skyrockets. And um, you know the way he hits. I mean, it's middle of the field approach, backspin. Like he can just hit, and he's gonna hit, and he's hit at the summer, and he's hit in the fall, and he hits whenever. It's interesting when I when I, when I do these numbers, I'm putting some of the stories together for the East, the West, the Central, and then right behind it, doing it the Pro Case, and we have really really good players at the three preseason all states, and then you do the, the, these guys, and that difference isn't necessarily the top end number. Mm-mm. It's the, the totality of what they do with the barrel. It's the totality of what they do with their glove. And then the one of the big separators is the athletic ability. You know, the number of guys that ran sub four, the number of guys that jumped over 28 inches is just, it, it, it's a, a 10X multiple versus what we see in other events. And yeah. that's kind of what we see, the, the difference between the pro case guys and the really, really, really good college prospects across the state is athleticism, explosiveness, and consistency. Yeah. And some of it's the ease that they do it. Like, you know, you watch some of these guys hit 100, and you see some, like, leg lift, hand swing. I mean, we're swinging for the yard. And then you got a guy like Sawyer that was 99, and it looked like he didn't break a sweat and probably could have hit another 50 to 100 baseballs and still not broke a sweat. 
Well, I, Kelvin Paulino Jr. You know, you had yes. some of the scouts behind him joking with him, Kelvin, swing it. Let it fly, dude. Kelvin's just in there and he's and his bat speed's one of the best of the event. His, his exit velocity's right on just under a hundred, is but his, his his average exit velocity is ninety-four. Yeah. You know, so it's not just the one. It's every yeah. ball he puts on the barrel is just screaming off the barrel. And and that's the difference between some of these higher end elite guys that have a chance to be in the national rankings versus the really good players in the state. Yeah. First podcast, my man, how'd you do? Give yourself I did all right, you know. Yeah, not bad. I, 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 I knew you'd be good at this because it's just I talking. can talk. Everybody knows I can talk. You come to an event, you know I can talk. You know, that, that part ain't ever going to be a worry. Um, now, do I turn you know. the software over to you and you cut this up and put all the video in there and, and uh, get let's, online? Let's not, let's not push it. Now. I mean, I, I just, you know, I'm not the greatest tech guy. I'm pretty sure I hand it to you a lot, but uh, because it's all like, I don't know how to do this. But we're getting better at it. You know, we're, we're, we're making adjustments. You know, might get to take the training wheels off by June or July. I nah, think you and, you and Patrick are crushing it. You guys are doing yeah, a great job. We're having fun with it. Talked to Patrick this morning. You know, we, we, we're having our, we get our jokes in. I get my. A Patrick phone calls between like eight thirty and nine fifteen, and then Espo's about nine fifteen to about ten thirty. I don't call you until after twelve, so I try not to. We make sure that we get all the answers before I call you to see if we don't have to worry about it. I don't know. How, I don't know how Sammy gets any work done in South Carolina. I, you know, I don't like. He's yeah, I, I'm interested. Yeah, it's funny. Like he was working <laughs> when I called him today, though, so he was doing good. He was uh, he was putting together some stories. There you go. So. No. This is the Prep Baseball of North Carolina podcast. He's Zach Gorowski. I'm Brandon Holland. We'll see you at the